Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is good to see you. Lots of conversation going on. Yesterday, we had the privilege of hanging out with a whole bunch of you at Cornwall Park in one of the small groups. Well, not so small. We took over half of Cornwall Park, but it was fun, and there was lots of food. Who's enjoying the warm weather? Yeah, yeah, amen, mate. Bring it on, bring it on. I wonder if you'd take your outlines out, which is the little documents as you came in. And I want to talk about the four wonders of Christmas. Why is it that billions of people stop what they're doing, just stop dead, and they spend heaps of money, and every receipt that they buy is stamped with a reference point to Jesus Christ? Doesn't matter which country you're in, why is it the world takes notice of this? What happened back there that every bank statement, every share trade, every house you purchase, every grocery bill you have is anchored in this event? And the world stops, literally comes to a standstill, especially if you get a Sylvia Park, right? You can't get even the car park. What is the fuss about? Christmas is a wonderful time of year. And you've probably heard that. But if I was to ask you, why is it wonderful? What is remarkable about Christmas, this special time of the year? I want to drill today on four specific wonders that happened at the very first Christmas. And the first wonder, I'm going to mention them and then come back to them. The first one is who came at Christmas? That very first Christmas, who was it that came that made such a big splash, such a great divide in history, AD and BC? Who was that? Secondly, then there was the wonder of how he came in a very unusual way. And then the third wonder of Christmas is who he came to, who he came for. And then the fourth wonder that we're going to look at today is why? Why did he come? And I want to get that really clear in our minds today. And hopefully by the end of this service today, you will understand this one line. Jesus came for you. The greatest Christmas gift you will ever get is the gift that Jesus brings, which is forgiveness for all of the sin that we have ever committed. Forgiveness for our sin, peace of mind and peace, of, and peace between us and God, and the purpose that Jesus only offers. So Christmas is a celebration of an invasion when God invaded earth. Now it was a big deal because I remember I was sitting at number 133 Union Road, Howick, when I was sitting outside listening to what we used to call a wireless. And it's not the wireless that you use, a wireless. And you know what I was listening to? I was listening to a man landing on the moon. That was a big deal when man landed on the moon. But friends, it is way bigger, way bigger deal when God walked on earth in human flesh. And this is the first wonder of Christmas that happened about 2,000 years ago. And it's this, God came to earth. That's the first wonder of Christmas. God came to earth. Now stay with me and you're about to build this logically. You say, God? 
What do you mean? I thought we're talking about Jesus. Yes, but some of you may have missed that Jesus is God. And he said to himself, he claimed to be God. One of the verses you'll see up the screen behind you says this, I and the Father are one. One. I and the Father are one. And the Bible calls him God, and he proved that he was God. One thing to say you are God, another thing to prove you are God. By dying on the cross and by being resurrected three days later, everybody saw him. That's what split history in part. That, that's what happened that turned Jerusalem upside down. So much so that there were over 100,000 Jews that converted to become Christians. Something happened, because if you ever know Jews, and I know a lot of them, they're pretty stubborn, and they hang on very tight to their beliefs. Something changed their mind. Nothing like a man that you just saw crucified walking down the street. That's got, he's got my vote. That guy changed their mind. Everybody saw him, even the people that, were cru that crucified him. Do you know this? I just read this morning in my time before I came to church, that Jesus had four brothers. You can go read their names in the Bible. And he had at least two sisters. He came from a very big family. And at one point in time, they said, that brother of ours, he's out of his mind. You can go read that in John. He's out of his mind. And then I'll read a little further. After he was resurrected, did you know that Mary the four brothers and the sisters were at pre-meetings after that. It changed their mind. Because well, after you've seen somebody rise from the dead, that's gotcha. They were highly skeptical. Now, Colossians 1.15 says this. Tells us exactly what Jesus Christ is like. Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He existed before God made anything at all. In fact, just to straighten our minds up, the scriptures say here, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and on earth. There it is right there. The Bible says that Jesus Christ created this world. So my point is this to you. He didn't just start in the stable. And what we're celebrating is not the beginning of Jesus Christ, which some people miss. What we're celebrating is the day he came to earth in a human form. And this is the first wonder of Christmas. That it was God himself who came to earth 2,000 years ago. It is the most significant event in history by none. And that's why we celebrate it. That's why billions of people will celebrate Christmas. That is why it is a very big deal. Jesus Christ, who was God, is the reference point to every date in history. It was that important. You tell me what else matches that. Second, and that was the first wonder of Christmas. That was God who came to a second wonder of Christmas, is that God became a man. He became like one of us. He became a human being. God wrapped in flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Philippians says this. 
Christ gave up his place as God in heaven and made himself nothing. In other words, like a servant. He was born to be a man and became like a servant. He was living as a man. He humbled himself. The Bible says he, he was even lower than the angels, and the angels serve him. He humbled himself. Of all the ways God could have chosen to communicate that there is a God to human beings, he became and chose to become one of us. Why did he do that? Because God wants you to know what he's like. He, he knows all about you. Every little detail about you. He knows everything that's ever happened to you. He knows that you'll be here today sitting in the exact seat you are sitting in, sitting next to who you've been sitting next to. He knows everything that's going to happen in your future tomorrow and all the way till you step off terra firma. Every day is ordained for you by God and as a gift. And he knows all about you and he wants you to know him. You were made for a relationship with God. You were made to know God. And until you have that relationship, life will feel a little confusing. Like something's missing. And many things won't quite make sense. Things like, why am I even here? Why? Where did it come from? Am I just a complex meat robot with very clever programming? Because let me tell you, we are very complex. The more we understand about physiology, the more blown away we are, even by the complexity of a sim simple living cell. So the question of origin, where did it come from? How do you answer that? If there was no God. Second question, which is pretty hard to answer. My identity. Who am I? If I'm just atoms, there is no purpose, there is no meaning, there is no right and there is no wrong. Because I'm fully controlled by the laws of nature. How do you answer that without a God? And by the way, we didn't even think about the, one of the biggest miracles. Where did the universe even come from? How come it started back with a big bang? Where there was no space, no time, and no matter. So whatever created this universe was spaceless, timeless, because there was no time before then, and immaterial. Incredibly powerful. I often look at Pigeon Mountain and see it's been chopped in half. I think, boy, that'd be a lot of work to do with a wheelbarrow. And I think about all the earth that's involved in the weight and the mass of the earth. And I think about all the mass in the universe. And I go, oh, it's beyond me. It's unpongible. And then things like meaning. Why am I here? Okay, I am here. So why am I here? And what am I here for? Is there any meaning or purpose or significance to this life? Or do I just get up, get educated, get married, go to work, 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 save all for retirement, and then die? Oh, that's pretty meaningless, isn't it? What about morality? Without God, how do I live? In fact, what's even right or wrong? How do we determine what's right and what's wrong in life? Is it what everybody else thinks? I hope not, because that changes. There were a group of people that thought it was perfectly fine to exterminate 12 million Jews, 6 million Jews. I thought it was fine. Does that make it right? How do you anchor right and wrong? Can I suggest to you 
The only way you can do that is in the immovable character of God, which never changes. He's the one that determines what's right and what's wrong. Everything else is personal preference. Because I found that what was wrong 30 years ago in culture is supposedly no longer wrong today. Interesting. And then lastly, destiny. So how did it get here? Basically, why am I here? And effectively, where am I going? What happens after death? What happens? How do you answer that without a God? Each of those questions, hugely consequential questions, depends on the existence of God. And all those questions can be resolved in a simple sentence. The reason why you're even here, the reason, how you, where you came from, who I am, why I'm here, how I should live and where I'm going is all answered when the Bible says you were made to be loved by God. That is what gives you meaning. That's where you came from. That gives you identity. Other people may not love you or they may be fickle in their love. God's love for you never changes. Why am I here? He gives a whole broad strokes of why you should be here and the significance of your life. He even informs us how we should live and he tells us where we're going. All of those answers are found in God. Now if you don't understand that, life won't make sense and you'll miss the whole purpose of life. Because you were made to know the creator who designed you. Who made you to have a relationship, a special relationship. And that is what Christmas is all about. The God who created everything came as a child to this world. So that we wouldn't be afraid of him because who's scared of a child? We can relate to children. He came as a human being so he could relate to us. And that is the second wonder of, the, of Christmas. But there's a third wonder. When God came to earth, I love this, he came to ordinary people. Ordinary people. Jesus Christ, when he was born, he didn't just come to the select elite few, the privileged class, the upper class, or the religious people. No, 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 no. No. He actually first came to lowly shepherds. He came for all of us. Now the Bible says that although he was the God of the universe, when Jesus was born on earth, he wasn't born in a palace, which would normally think of as royalty, or even in a nice hotel. He was actually born in a barn. So the first people who got to visit Jesus were not royalty. They weren't political figures or the mucky mucks. There weren't religious leaders. The very first people who were invited to see Jesus, noticed by the angels, were the shepherds. And I think there's a message in that. The Bible says the shepherds ran to the village. Notice it says this. And found their way to Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in the manger. In those days, shepherds were kind of like nobodies. The nobodies who looked after Often other people's sheep. And that's who Jesus invited to first come to his birth. Later on, oh yeah, so we have the shepherds over here. But later on, then we see the wise men appearing. And they would bring rich gifts from the highest in society to the lowest. All were invited. And the point there again is long and strong. Jesus is available to all whether you are a top CEO 
or a laborer. It matters not. John 1.14 says this, Christ came as a human being and he lived here on earth among us. He wasn't aloof, circle that word among us. He wasn't separated. He didn't live in the palace at some distance. He came to, so we could get close to him. He lived among us. And that, friends, is good news at Christmas. See, God meets us where we are. And you may think, oh man, all the things that I've done wrong in my life, where I've screwed up, I could never have a relationship with a holy God. And God would lovingly say, my son, my daughter, you're wrong on that. I love you no matter what. I love you and I want you to know me. And that's a startling wonder. That he, God would stoop so low as to be born as a baby in a barn so that he was accessible to everyone. Now the greatest wonder about Christmas was not how Jesus came. It wasn't even who he came to. But the greatest wonder of Christmas, I think, is why he came. He came for our benefit. Your benefit and my benefit. He came for you and he came for me. Listen to these words where Jesus explains why he came to earth. John 18.37, Jesus said, I was born for this purpose. I came to bring truth to this world. Truth about what? Truth about God. Because there's a lot of misconceptions, bad ideas, bad thinking about God. Truth about life, because there's a lot of phony, vain philosophies that lead to dead ends and misery and no hope. Truth about ourselves, because often, if the truth be known, we don't even understand ourselves and why we do or don't do the things that we should do or do the things that we shouldn't do. And if we build our lives on a faulty foundation that leads to bad decisions, unnecessary stress, and a wasted life. And God never meant us to live that kind of life. This is how Jesus meant us to live the life. The Bible says that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. But I've said to many of my kids often, the truth can be painful. Because it can stop me in my tracks. It can confront me and convict me of wrong thinking or wrong actions. But when I acknowledge the truth and live my life by the truth, then the way is much smoother. So what is the truth? The truth is this, that you matter to God. That's the truth. So much that God left his home in heaven, came to earth in the form of a baby. Wow. It's like one of my kids' grandbabies. We've got... Uh, a black Jesus today. Hope would be very pleased with that, Hal. Okay. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, we have two Ugandan adopted grandchildren who we delight and they'll be home to stay soon within, within about seven days. But he left his home in heaven and he came to, to, as, as a baby. And he grew up and lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and was resurrected and went back to heaven and now says, come and be with me. I want you to live with me for the rest of eternity. That's how much you matter to God. God is not some aloof, distant God. He wants a personal relationship with you. And some of you, unfortunately, may have been inoculated with this thing called religion. Jesus dispensed with the religion and he introduced relationship. 
where this is where you can personally know God. That's the truth. When you know the truth, life makes, makes more sense. John 10.10, 10, I came to give you life, and life in all its fullness. Why did he say that? It's a tragedy that many people go through life and don't even understand why they are here on earth. This is how God showed his love, the Bible says in 1 John 4.9. He sent his only son into the world so that we could have life through him. Through him. God made you to love you and for you to know him. So that you can love him back and have a relationship with him. That lasts way longer than the little 70 or 80 years we're on this planet called earth. Jesus said, I came to give your life purpose and meaning and significance. You're not just here to busy yourself with work and keep yourself fully occupied. That's a good thing. But there's more to life than that. And that's the truth. Jesus said also in John 12, 48, I came to save the world. Save it, not to judge it. Do you want to be saved this morning? That's what he's saying. I came to save the world. That's the purpose, the wonder of Christmas. When the angels announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds, this is what they said in Luke 2.11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour. Who is? Who is that saviour? Who is it? Christ the Lord. Why do I need a saviour, some of you may be saying. Well, the Bible says it clearly this way. Heaven is a perfect place where there's no sadness, no sickness, nor suffering, nor sorrow at all. And that means, though, because it's a perfect place, only perfect people get into heaven. And that's the problem. If God let imperfect people into heaven, it will be just like earth, filled with imperfect people, selfishness, and sin. So he says, "Uh uh-uh, not in heaven. But you say, hang on, if only perfect people get into heaven, then I don't stand a chance. Well, you're right. That's exactly correct. Neither do I. I stand no chance at all. And that's what Christmas is all about. God said, none are perfect. So here's what my plan is. Because people try, but they fail. What my plan is, I will come to earth in the form of a human being, Jesus Christ. And I will live the only perfect life that was ever lived. Then I will die on the cross to pay for all of the sins and the imperfections that you have. And then if you trust me, you will get into heaven on my goodness because you are not good enough. That, friends, is the greatest Christmas gift that will ever be offered to you or I. And that's God's Christmas gift to you. This gift. By the way, you'll never earn that gift. And you or I will never deserve that gift. But the Bible is really clear with one of these last verses in Romans 3.23. It says, all of us need to be made right with God. All of us. That's every single person in this room needs to be made right with God. Question, are you right with God right now? All of us need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift. We need to be made free from sin. How? The Bible tells us clearly, through Jesus Christ and him alone. That's God's gift at Christmas. I know people who celebrate Christmas every single year of their life. They put up trees, they buy the presents, they sing the Christmas carols, they decorate the house, and they do all the things 
of Christmas, but they don't accept the core gift that God gave them. As we wrap this up, can I suggest that let this year be the year that you accept God's gift for you and unwrap the gift. It's not good if somebody gives you a gift and you don't unwrap it. He's offering it to you and that's life and that means eternal life. That means in three points. One, your past can be forgiven. Two, in the present, you can have a purpose for living. And three, you can have a home in heaven. We're not talking about religion again. You may have had a Catholic background. You may have had a Protestant or a Buddhist background. Or no background. doesn't matter. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship to Jesus. And you want to know him personally. That's why you're here today. Not by accident. Because God knew you would be at New Hope Community Church on December 1st. So that he could get your attention. And say this. You matter to me. And I have a plan. And I have a purpose for your life. And I came to earth 2,000 years ago. Grew up, died on the cross and paid for your sins. Friend, your ticket has been paid for. All you need to do is accept it and follow me. And we'll develop a relationship and I will be with you the rest of your life. And my simple question to you is, why don't you accept that gift today? Let's bow our heads. About 2,000 years ago, wise men came seeking Jesus. And I want to urge you this Christmas on December 1st, to be a wise person. And I'm going to briefly pray a seeker's prayer. And if you've never opened your life to Jesus Christ, I would invite you to follow me in this prayer in your mind. You don't even have to say it aloud because God knows every thought that passes through your mind and your heart. And he hears your thoughts. Why don't you pray this prayer? Just say in your mind, dear God, thank you for bringing me here today. I've known something was missing in my life. I just didn't know what it was. Thank you for seeking me even when I've ignored you. And God, I want to know the truth about you. I want to know the truth about myself. I want to know the truth about life. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ at Christmas. Jesus Christ, I want to get to know you. And I don't understand it all. But I do want a relationship with you. And as much as I know how, I ask you to come into my life. Please forgive me for all that's been wrong in my life. Lord, I accept your gracious gift of forgiveness. And I accept your gift of peace of mind. I accept your gift of eternal life. And I accept your gift of a purpose for my life here on earth. In Jesus' powerful name I pray. Amen.